0: Hey friends, welcome back to Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. It's your buddy Brooks, and I am here uh, sitting down with you in my red room. It's Vice Friday. It's in the middle of the day. I got my second cup of coffee. I'm going to take a little coffee break here. Mm. Got my second cup of coffee. Um, Today I have three clips lined up for you. One of them is about the importance of taking a stand. Um, another one is uh, Chris back on the microphone to talk about the importance of being T-shaped. We've talked about that before, and we get to close the store, uh, close the show with a little bit of story time, which is awesome. So, um, yeah, let's just get to it. Without further ado, I present to you Episode 46 of Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. It is called "The Word Made Flesh and Stuff." Let's do it. Ugh. Little tune there from a spin-off of Queens of the Stone Age. Um, I recommend you go and check them out. I think it's yeah, I can't even remember. It's fine, no big deal. Welcome back. Um uh, man, I'm excited to be here with you. It might be the second cup of coffee, it might not be, I'm not sure. Um the last time we checked in, um I was man, I was coming off of a very intense, intense couple of days emotionally, but the clouds have parted as they always do. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I am full of energy and I can't wait to share. Well, I can't wait to share the voice and the work of Mr. Chris Moore, the Barbell Buddha. I want to give you some context to where we are in the story. Where I'm sitting right now, it's January 17th, 2020. Okay, it's a Friday. Chris is recording his episode on January 14th, 2014. Excuse me. January 14, 2014, yes, and in three days, which is a Tuesday, in three days he's about to take off to Wadapalooza, um, where he and the Barbell Shrug boys go down and blow up. Wadapalooza. They have a bunch of lectures. They have a big party house. Um, they've been reconnecting or just connecting with a lot of new friends. Um, and so they're off to a quick start in 2014. And yes, they had some success in 2013, but 2014 is the year of Shrugged. It is the year that this stuff really takes off. They start to book some massive interviews um, and the show stylistically starts to crystallize and, and, and become even more awesome. Uh, Chris and CTP really, really, really start to catch their groove creatively. Um, yeah, in the story, this is uh, Chris is starting to uh, formalize his ideas for his third book, which ends up becoming Get Change. And so, All of that is happening in this point of the story, okay? So even though he hasn't announced it yet, Chris has some big, big changes and plans for this upcoming year. He hasn't fully given us the whole uh, story, so to speak, but he's hinted that it's time for a change. He's had his burn the boats terminal moment, and um, just like him, I have... uh, received a lot of energy in the new year. And, um, I myself am looking for, a, looking forward to a great deal of change this year. Okay. So, um, if you're out there and you're experiencing any of this, just, just continue listening, uh, or just go ahead, Barbell Buddha, uh, go to his Instagram, excuse me, not Instagram, go to his podcast and start to listen, jump ahead. Why not? Um, do it because, uh, I don't know. Hey, look, I don't know why the world has conspired to um, have our calendars lined up and synced perfectly. Like Friday, January 17th, 2020 is the same. It's Friday, January 17th, 2014. So I'm literally following the same day-by-day schedule as Chris did in 2014. I also seem to be experiencing a lot of similar emotions and challenges in my own way. Um, I didn't, you know, it, our circumstances are different, but it seems that the energy that's driving a lot of our creative work and our personal life seems to be very synced up. So, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. I have, let's see here. I have three clips lined up for you today. One of them is about the importance of standing for something, taking a stand. And so um, that's going to be about something called the White Rose Movement, uh, which is a story about a girl, a young woman named Sophie Scholl. And then we're going to get into some T-shaped stuff, and of course I'm going to let the Chris closed the show like only he can. So how about we just go ahead and get Chris dialed up for the first clip. It's going to be roughly six minutes. And uh, yeah, I'll have something to say on the other side. Chris, buddy, it's your turn. Take it away.
1: I guess the theme for this show, I only really have one thing that I wanted to get into. Well, two things. Well, maybe three things. I don't know. i my my notes wrong. So a few days ago... You might have noticed on it might have been more than a few days ago by now. But on the Barbell Shrugged they, or not Barbell Shrugged Barbell Buddha Facebook page um I put a post up and so just one of these days on Reddit I'm sort of random, randomly looking around and, and, and searching for um, just interesting ideas interesting stories and all this stuff and I come across one of these today I learned features on Reddit which is amazing. If you go to www.reddit.com backslash r backslash Today I Learned, I think it'll be. Google it if you can't really get the link to work. You'll be amazed. <laughs> you'll be absolutely amazed at all the cool shit you'll learn. It's article after article after article just telling you something you didn't know. Uh, and good stuff. Not just sticky trivia shit, but actually good information. So I came across this one story about this little girl who was a, a protester, apparently. I saw a oh, whole protester I saw Nazis. I always like history, so I go, okay, what is this? Um, I saw she was very young. Uh, she may have been a teenager, at whatever, uh, or college student was. And I saw a you know, protester. I saw White Rose Movement, all this sort of information about her. Then I read some passages from her. Um, and the passage, I'm actually gonna read it to you. The passage is so amazing. It's on the on the Barbara Buddha page, but I'll read it and try to do it justice. Um, so Sophie Scholl, uh, she was actually she led this uprising and tried to inform people about the rising menace in Germany that was the, this Nazi party and their their fucking asshole cunt of a leader we all know his name fuck him <laughs> no you're not giving that guy any more attention but anyway the, this rise they're trying to warn people like this shit is crazy you gotta educate yourself they're handed out pamphlets and stuff but they were captured and interrogated and interviewed because obviously they were not the government's favorite folks and of course they are accused of treason and then You know, it turns out this poor girl and her friends were fucking beheaded via guillotine, which I know is intense. I don't wanna sorry to reference it on the show and bring everybody down, but it's it gets your attention when you read something like this. And then when you read what she said and what she stood for at being such a young age, and if you look at the picture I put up on there, she was such a gorgeous young girl and you could see just fucking vibrance. And then you read this this passage and realize just how way beyond her years and wisdom she was. So let me read this to you. Just check this out. First, let me take a sip. Let the whistle so I can hopefully not stumble upon any of her words. I hate for her to get bummed out by me, by me and my performance. Here it goes. The real damage is done by those millions who want to get by, the ordinary men who just want to be left in peace, those who don't want their lives disturbed by anything bigger than themselves, those with no sides, no causes, those who won't take measure of their own strength for fear of antagonizing their own weakness. Those who don't like to make waves or enemies. Those for, for whom freedom, honor, truth, and principles are only literature. Those who live small, love small, die small. It's the reductionist approach to life, you see. It's, if you keep it small, you'll keep it under control. If you don't make any noise, the boogeyman won't find you. But that's all an illusion. Because those people die too. Those people who roll up in their spirits into it. They roll their spirits up into a tiny ball so as to be safe. Safe? Safe from what? Life is always on the edge of death. Narrow streets lead to the same place as wide avenues. And a little candle burns itself out just like a flaming torch does. I choose my own way to burn. Whoa. Holy fuck. (laughs) Sophie, I mean, I read that. And here's this girl who, I realized that this girl stood for something, really took a powerful stance and really did something so amazing that you know, if she hadn't have done that, if she would have done what was most convenient for her and not have had her head chopped off, um, literally, fuck, it's terrible to say, but she would have been forgotten. She would have lived a comfortable life, but when she died, she'd be forgotten by now. But instead, she stood for something. And now here I am, the only the latest dummy to wait so long to, to learn about her, but you know, in 2014, here I am. I, I went out and bought a book uh, about her so I can learn more about her. This is Richard Hanser's *A Noble Treason*. Got off Amazon. You fucking touch the button, and the next day it's on your porch, practically. And you can't beat that. So, *A Noble Treason*: The Story of Sophie Scholl and the White Rose Revolt Against Hitler. This is fucking gonna be great. <laughs> I don't know if I will pick out any any elements that will inform you guys, but very very likely I will. I mean, if if if. That passage is an indication of the kind of person she was. Man, I might have a whole vein for another project, inspired by this girl. And that's that's the fucking point, isn't it? That she, because she stood for something and did, gave that ultimate price and had to go for, through something mind-bogglingly terrible and had to get shuttled out of here when she could have done so much good if she was left. Uh, because she did that, I discovered her, you know, a couple of days ago. I thought that was just, you know, beautiful, really beyond all measure. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that that's even possible, but here we are, impacted by a little girl, you know, some 80 years later. Not fucking 80 years, Chris. How long has it been? 40, it must have been the early 40s, 60, well, 70-something years. Yeah, 70, 70, 70-some odd years or so.
0: Ooh. <clears throat> okay. Uh, you might be thinking, why did Brooks pick that clip? Well, maybe you already know, but let me, let me me pull let me pull it apart a little bit. So the point Chris was trying to make is that because this young girl, Sophie Scholl, may uh, took a stand for what she believed in, in the form of the White Rose Movement in the face of the rising Nazi party in Germany, because she stood for something and because that something ended up leading to her inevitable death, that the impact that she made has Echoed through the eons of time, some seventy plus years later, for christine to find in the form of a book called *A Noble Treason*, um, as he's sitting down and talking with us. Okay, and so the t- well, first of all, it's it's intense that someone could unintentionally make such an impact through time. Like she was taking a stand for the time, but she didn't realize, and how could you realize that this would impact the way that people viewed that time period almost, you know, going on a century into the future. That's insane, okay? Um, but the thing is, is that Chris did the exact same thing. He, too, paid the ultimate price in the form of his passing, but it's because he takes a stand for what he believes in, in the form of his work, in the form of his books, in the form of this podcast. Because he took a stand, his memory continues to echo through time. Sure, we're not 70 years in the future, but we're not 70 years in the future yet. Who knows how long and how far reaching into the future Chris's work could take him. You know, Chris was taking a stand. And just the fact that he took action sets up the possibility that that work will be around 70 years in the future and can make a mark. You know, the, the Chris Moore of 70 years from now may stumble upon Chris's book somehow. Or who knows, some other author may uh, find, a, a, find Chris's book 50 years in the future and decide, wow, this is crazy that this guy existed. Let me f- I'm going to write my own book about this person's life. Okay, so um, that's the reason for the clip. It's that it's mind-boggling that this can happen. Um, but it also shows you the power of taking a stand, okay? And I've been thinking about, like, what what do I want to take a stand for? And what sort of work do I want to do? Like, this podcast, while it is um, fun and and it's a way for me to express my artistic expression, I'm taking a stand on behalf of Chris's work. I'm not really taking a stand for anything for myself personally. Chris's work greatly impacted me And so I have a passion for sharing his work to other people. But it gets me thinking like, what do I want to take a stand for? And how will I put that out into the world? And I think 2020 is the year that I do that. Um, Some things that come to mind is I have my Health Transform program. And that also is a, I have a micro version of that called Three Days to Play. But Behind all of the work and the exercises and the how to manage your health holistically, mind, breath, you know, uh, uh, physical, nutrition, hydration, what I'm really deciding that I want to help share is... Um, finding people helping people find their own authentic expression in all of those things like you don't have to do the breath work that I like you know but it is valuable to find some sort of breath practice you don't have to do the mindset practices that I do but it is valuable to find some sort of mindset practice and the same thing with your physical expression you don't have to like what I like the crawling and the kettlebells and you know goofing around like I'm a freaking animal of some kind you don't have to like all that but I find that it's because I've chosen to express authentically that I'm getting the most value out of it okay so I guess if I'm if I'm really I'm kind of thinking as I go here if I'm gonna take a stand this year it's uh, it's gonna be man what do I want to do some things that have been coming to mind uh, I have a friend his name is Jared he owns a gym called CrossFit crake in Boston and he, t- he shared this vision that he had Um, for me. And he said, I have this, I have this vision of you going around taking recess on the road in the form of like a traveling circus of some kind. And like that, man, that is inspiring. The idea that I could go out and help people play and find their authentic expression, help empower them with all these tools, be on the road, travel, podcast, uh, uh, be around awesome coaches and awesome people. Like that gets me fired up and it's a way that I can take a stand for, I, uh, for what I believe in. So um, yeah, I, I found this to be a very valuable clip for me and I hope, I hope you did as well. The next clip that I have for you is about being T-shaped. Chris has mentioned this before in an episode in regards to, uh, I believe it was Joni or Johnny Ivy. The um, he was a designer. I think he was uh, connected with things like Apple and the iPhone and and, and just all these other amazing uh, amazing design products. And so. Um, instead of spoiling the clip, I'm just, just to kind of give you some refresher, being T-shaped, you can think about, uh, one area going down really deep. And then you can think about, uh, learning about lots of different things out horizontally where you just kind of scratch the surface and you look for other people that have drilled deep into their own thing. But instead of me trying to fumble around on my words, I'm just going to go ahead and get Chris back up. He will be on here for nine minutes or so. um, talking about being T-shaped and yeah, you know it. I'll be catching up with you on the other side. Chris, buddy, man, keep it rolling, brother.
1: Uh, Anyway, Moving on. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up. Um, these other books I'm going to reference tonight, because I guess I'm going with the word theme. Um, these other books have made me think back to an idea I was considering a month or so ago, this idea of being T-shaped. And I learned it in that, that autobiography from Jonathan Ivey. That's what a, somebody who was referencing him said he was a T-shaped kind of guy, a T-shaped engineer, designer, person. What that means is you're the kind of person who digs really deep into a pursuit. I mean, what you're going to pursue, you could pursue multiple things, I suppose. But of these main things, you go all the way. You know, you're doing it as hard as possible. You're volunteering. You're working midnight hours. You're doing this shit for pennies and fucking peanuts for like 10 years, 15 years. I've, I've experienced that two or three times in my life with writing, with. Strength coaching, you do it for nothing, for fucking ever, and you suffer, you suffer, you suffer, you suffer. And you give yourself 100% to the study, to the craft. You let it remake you. You fucking go hardcore, sort of uh, hermit style. You know, <laughs> you live in a shitty apartment, and you, all your life is just studying. No, you don't take it that extreme, but that's really what it takes. you got to be so committed that you're willing to, like famously now, like Mike and Doug did when they started CrossFit Memphis – I didn't live at the gym. I had a house. I trained there, and, and we started, you know, working together and everything. But those guys lived in a fucking attic of that crawl space in the gym because they couldn't afford to be anywhere else. That was what—how much passion drove the thing initially—that you had to do it, whatever it took to get in the game. You know, money or lack thereof wouldn't be a deterrent. I thought that be a lesson. You got to do whatever it takes <laughs> to get that early experience. Like, don't try to get into some game but also want a decent salary to start and, and say, well, woe is me, I can't make my dream come true. That's bullshit, man. Be willing to work for nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, sticking on this theme of, of the power of words, so I was thinking about my own strategy. I've adopted that perspective with the T-shape because it makes so much sense to me. So in my own life, I like to drill into something. So for me, it was drilling into uh, training, uh, the research behind it, the physiology of it, the how you how you program and how you seek the holy grail of training outcomes and all that shit. Did I get there? No. But the pursuit taught me a lot, I and mean, then competing in the strength sports taught me everything I know about how you you actually get stronger. And I'm talking about it with friends as this reinforced so much. So that's a huge vein of my life, and that's what I'm fucking doing now. But where do I where do I reinforce what I know about it? Where do I find new ideas? Well, I don't think there's anything really much left to learn in these deep veins I've drilled down into um, I've ex- been exposed us so much I don't I probably could see some new ideas but you know the new inspiration the new insights come by spreading out you know you, you go out into the fucking world and you you meet new people from new areas, wildly different topics, wildly different sports and pursuits and topics like philosophy and topics like religion and Eastern philosophy like I do quite quite famously now with this this book I fucking wrote it's kind of heavily influenced by eastern ideas because that's for good reason because i think they impact everybody they are very useful they can help you train better they can help you work better be more creative be more successful in business they are very useful to to learn from and be adopted to uh i dig it but by reaching out through all that you see how everything else is connected to what your pursuit is and when you see somebody do something and try something in a wild new creative way in another field you see how you can learn from it and adopt it to what you're doing that's the fucking simplest truth it's the best way to learn so I've always like had that strong hunch that it seems like the best way to do it and you kind of do it by accident you sort of you go out and you find good stuff and you get inspired by it seems like an accident but now I see from two authors here I'm going to read to you I just finished one I'm almost through with the other book Uh, this first book um, Louis L'Amour I don't know if I pronounce his last name right or not but so this is Education of a Wandering Man who was recommended to me uh, a few months ago. I finally got around to finishing it. Um, but it's, it's absolutely fantastic. The first thing I learned from Louis, I guess this is sort of his memoir and how he became such a, a great author. He wrote, some, he wrote a couple hundred books, I think, man, just to put things in perspective. This fucking guy was super productive. But also, intensely, he read hundreds of books a year. For his entire adult life in the back of this fucking book there's a bibliography I thought oh did he reference shit in this book because I thought he was just like writing a story which is true but I get to the back and it says books and plays read in 1930 because I think he's passed away now maybe in the 80s or so so he had a long career and all that but so I go look I go oh this is not a reference list this is shit he read and it, th- that list of books just in 1930 alone, is 115 books long That says Books and Plays read in 1931. So it has uh, a whole every one of his the books he fucking this guy fucking read, hundred and twenty. I go, wow. How in the shit do you sit down and read I guess what, there's no self in the bother you. There's no pestering email count to to distract you. So I guess it is easy to slam down some books. But still, if I put you on a fucking farm, are you gonna read 120 books a year? Fuck no, man. You'll probably end up spending most of the time just staring in space. Like, you go out in the field and try to find some cow patty mushrooms and find some way to fucking occupy your time. You'd be bored out of your mind. You wouldn't just seek constant escape in a books. You'd be tired of that shit. Your eyes would hurt. 120 books a year? And to have that kind of knowledge, I mean, he would read... Here's the other thing I learned from the guy. He would read... He wouldn't, like, go out with a specific topic in mind. Like, oh, I, I want to find... Oh, that, that looks good. I'm going to get that book. No, he sort of discovered these books. So he would have such a wide variety because he would stumble upon... um Plato or some kind of philosophy, Aristotle, he would stumble upon. Shakespeare, he quoted a lot of Shakespeare in his book. Um, history books, you know, again, all kinds of philosophy books, uh, even Chinese philosophy, uh, engineering, military warfare, history, Western studies, all this shit. He said the whole, the whole key to being well-educated and well-read and discovering new interesting things that really do inspire you, he said, was to, to let them find you. Anyway, I really dig the, um, the, the paragraph he ends this book on. So I may mispronounce some of these words, but it's okay. In Sinkiang, in the PM years, the Taklamakan. so he's quoting some region and some native people, that the T-A-K-L-A-M-A-K-N, the Taklaman, the Taklamakan, whatever, <laughs> in some parts of Tibet, okay, the Tibet region, uh, when one party meets another on the way, they greet often by saying, may there be a road. It is a land of frequent snowslides, slides, rock slides, and cave ins So roads are casually made. Bridges are usually hanging from ropes. So the saying is apropos. One hopes the way will be clear. The road open. So as one pilgrim to another, I leave you with that wish. May there be a road. That's a classy fucking ending to a book. <laughs> but yeah, so Louis was all about finding connections. A wide variety. Wide ranging experience, fucking incredible breath, you know, Western frontiersman, fisherman, poet, uh, rabid consumer of knowledge and books, reading fucking 200 books a year sometimes, writing 200, 300 books in his career and pamphlets and stories. Crazy. Uh, a true Renaissance man. But getting that inspiration for to do all that by reaching out to find new knowledge, to, to going out, to, to relying on new relationships and new connections to spur new ideas. The idea is also in this book. This fucking book, it's long. So I'm I'm quoting it for like the third time on the show. It's 500-something pages long, about halfway through now. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by Robert M. Persig. It's fantastic, but let me read you this paragraph that further supports the point of the whole thing being T-shaped. Check this out. We're living in topsy-turvy times, and I think that what causes the topsy-turvy feeling is inadequacy of old forms of thought to deal with new experiences. I've heard it said that the only real... Learning results from hang ups. Well, the only real way to learn is from these hang ups. Where instead of expanding the branches of what you already know, you have to stop and drift laterally for a while until you come across something that allows you to expand the roots of what you already know. Boom. Hope that made as much sense to you as it does to me. It's very intuitive. At least I think so. Maybe it's the good one to live it talking, but yeah, expand, getting your roots deep you're getting your root your roots, sorry, deeper and wider is the best possible way to learn. So you're not not always charting out and doing something new, but you're going deeper where you are and going wide and you're connecting with what you know to what other people know. It's fantastic. Dare I say, it's fucking beautiful.
0: (laughs) Beautiful indeed, my buddy. Beautiful indeed. Um, Thank you for the wisdom there. T-shape. What does that mean? Well, like Chris said, uh, it's about drilling down into one area of specialty and then looking for ways to reinforce what you know expanding outward into many new areas. Um, The thing that Chris is always scratching at in his show is that everything is connected. What makes you good in one area of your life will likely hold the key to helping you find how you can be good in another area of your life. The thing that Chris uses all the time is training Um, as an analogy or a metaphor for deeper principles that he's always trying to help us understand. Um, And speaking of training, just as an aside, there is a fair amount of training talk in Chris's episode. I'm not really going to touch on it so much because it wasn't intended to teach us anything other than just like talk shit about training. But if you want to listen to it, go, go over to the episode, episode 46, and listen to it. But getting back to the point of this... Is that Chris is always trying to help us understand that everything is connected, and that by expanding, so he's not saying just randomly try new things. Okay, he's saying continue to drill deep into the thing that you love, into the area of specialty that you desire to go into. But sometimes you hit, uh, uh, you hit like just a, a wall, so to speak. Like there's only so much you can get out of trying to drill deeper into that area without any sort of outside inspiration. So one way that we can bust through those plateaus is to seek insight from other experts who've drilled deep into their own thing. Um, Chris said, let them find you, okay And I've been thinking like, how can I how can I personally widen my tea? So what is my my depth? Well I guess if I had to put it on one thing, it would be health strategies for improving your health and health to me is more than just physical it's mental emotional spiritual and physical all bundled into one thing okay so in order to drill deeper I you know I've drilled really deep into the um, you know academic side of physical health okay and I've also started to drill deep into the other sides of emotional mental and spiritual health but the way that I've been able to accrue that is that I've started to look for new things that may inspire me. Chris was so amazing at finding, just continuing to search for things that inspired him in odd places. Uh, Reddit was one of his favorites. Uh, That's that's a really awesome way to go find some random shit, that's for sure. But how can we, you and I, like widen RT? Well, I mean me personally like I have fucking Chris's whole library almost in my gym and yet I I just with the you know with the exception of a of, of an occasional book here or there like I haven't taken time to read all of those books. I mean hell man it's first of all it's like 250 books and it's really intimidating to see all those books sitting on a shelf you go with so many choices that I could pick like where, where do you even start? You know, maybe I should just make it easy. Go to the top left book and just like move right and clear that shelf and continue on until I've cleared all the other shelves. But, you know, if there's one way that I can widen my T, that's a that's an easy first start for me is to read Chris's library. Um, I did oh. Oh. Listener, dear listener, I did make a promise and I have yet to fulfill that promise, which was to get Chris's library logged and made available to you. Um, I hit a snag. I intended to almost do it like a, where you could go and, and, and see them, yeah, but I wanted to link them to where you could buy all of these books. But then I hit, I hit a snag and then life sort of got in the way. And so I have an unfulfilled promise and I'm going to make a claim right now. Uh, and maybe I'll, I'll get more specific as the shows go on, but this this year, before we finish this project, this Barbell Buddha Rediscovered project, 100 episodes in 100 weeks, and I am going to fulfill that promise, which means I'm actually going to have to kick it up a fucking notch and try to get some of these episodes done multiple times in a week, but I will do that, and I will fulfill my commitment to... Chris's library and make it available somewhere for you to find go through find an Amazon link or wherever you can find the book and you can start to go through the library with me so maybe that's a way that I can help you widen your tea in 2020 okay <clears throat> well I do have just a little bit more to share before Chris closes the show um I'll give you a little uh teaser Chris is going to close with some story time, and it's called Do With What You've Got. And uh, I personally needed to hear this shit. I say that often, and it is always true. Whenever Chris is delivering something, it happens to be right on time. Do with what you've got. This podcast is a good example. I was gifted some very basic equipment, a, a globe... Uh, microphone and I was uh, allowed to borrow Chris's laptop for a while. I have since returned it and gotten one of my own. I have an old pair of speakers that I push Chris's voice through on an old iPad. Uh, iPad so I load up Chris's episode on my iPad I know exactly where the uh, clips start and stop down to the second um, and I pump them through my speakers through and they're sitting if you're uh, if, if, if you follow me on Instagram you might have seen this but I pump it through the speakers into the microphone and that way I can hear Chris and you can hear Chris and I can see where I'm at on the thing and and I can kind of manage this show as I go along but it's not exactly the most high-tech high tech way to go about this show, okay? But I'm, I'm taking Chris's advice. I'm going to do with what I've got. I'm not going to bitch about it. I'm not going to say, oh, I shouldn't do this podcast anymore because I don't have the right equipment. None of that. But I could stand to apply that attitude to other areas of my life. For example, we talked about the traveling circus. I talked about the traveling circus. Three days to play on the road. Recess on the road. Why am I not doing it? Well, I'll tell you, it's because I've been full of excuses. Oh, I don't have enough equipment, I don't have enough uh, interest, I don't have enough money, yada, 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 but after this clip, hearing it this morning in my meditation, um, I realized there are no no more excuses, man, no more bitching about what I don't have. There is no time to waste, and that's what Chris is going to help us understand as he closed this show. So without further ado, it is time for Chris to close with story time. I just want to say thank you yet again. Uh, One last plug. Go to Amazon.com. Look for the Collected Writings of Chris Moore, the Barbell Buddha. Correct, Collected Writings of Barbell Buddha by Chris Moore. There are more books up. Go and buy them out. Support a legacy and support a family at the same time. Okay? That's it for this week. I hope you have a kick-ass weekend, a beautiful Vice Friday, and I'll catch up with you next time. Now, it's time to do with what you've got. Chris, buddy, you know what to do. Take it away.
1: So, man, with that, with that, I'm going to give this show a send-off, which is going to be story time. Now, as always, I can't quite promise that I won't put on some stupid accent, but I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm going to play this straight, because God knows what will happen if I allow myself that particular indulgence. Oh, pop filter. Get back where you belong. So I posted this a few days ago. This is called Do, what, do With What You've Got. Sip of whiskey. The idea being, you know, we're out for change, man, this year. We're going to have big things, all of us. We're going to do this shit together. I'm going to report to you everything that I've got going on, everything I try. <laughs> Any embarrassments, even if they show up on, in story form on the website, you're going to see the real, raw truth of it. Uh, we're doing it together. We're going to do it big. So we're going to push through with this change theme. And one of the things is we're not going to let excuses about what we have access to, what resource we have, you know, what teammates or lack thereof, or all this shit. It's not going to stop us from doing what we want to do. So that was kind of my vein when I got into this particular i don't know why i wrote this i just like always i'm trusting this muse urge that comes over me so i spit it out here's what came out i hope you like it i like tools as most primates do if you want the fattest grubs man you gotta dig deep in the wood with thin sticks it's a very smart thing in a world that doesn't afford you fur or claw the next best things are fire and plenty of arrowheads Yeah, that right there was also one of the very first steps on the road towards modernity of obesity epidemics, the modernity of obesity epidemics, and nuclear meltdowns. Less dramatically, it's the spark of civilization. It gave us our cushion against the internally harsh natural world, as well as the bonus leisure time for drinking a pint or two and listening to Clash albums. Oh God, do I love my leisure time. Plenty of Clash albums and drinking pints of beer. God, can't fucking wait for Friday night. Uh, which will be in Miami. Oh, boy. Cuban coffee, maybe, instead of pints with whiskey. I digress. But I will say, it's definitely a weird and wonderful time to be alive. So, so weird, in fact, that I can remember a not-so-distant time in the past where the idea of a magical pocket device, capable of telling you anything you wanted to know, would have been fucking crazy talk. And now, that tool is is often nothing more than a toy that occupies five minutes of time between ordering and receiving a delicious full-fat breve latte at Starbucks, the phone, the cell phone, is a pretty damn cool tool. Still, but does things that were never really supposed to be. It was not supposed to be a solution for anything. You see, it's, it still had to put it, something of value into the thing to get anything meaningful in return. It's a tool. That's what the definition is. It's it's to be used. It's not the source of your happiness. But that's easier said than done. We primates always expect more, don't we? The best example I can think of right now is this great Louis Louis C.K. bit where he talks about taking a flight with with Wi-Fi on it for the first time. He chatted with the guy next to him about how cool it was that this plane had this feature. Well, just a few minutes later, the stewardess makes an announcement that unfortunately the Internet was going to be down for the flight. Some sort of technical glitch or what have you, the computer in hand, this guy was already bitter and feeling cheated that... You know, what he thought he had access to is no longer going to be available. God, this is fucking bullshit, he says. (laughs) I I find that story amazing because it is uh, sort of drawn out perfectly. I can sort of see my past behaviors in it. I've reacted like a spoiled toddler more times than I could ever possibly account for in any sort of memoir. So have you, I would guess. We all look for solutions and shiny toy tools or shiny new toys and tools, one kind or another, but we can never quite get at what, we're, what we want, right? As soon as we're, we've got the thing, we expect something fancier in return. This ordinary thing needs upgrading almost instantly. And like the guy on the airplane, this thing he was aware of, as Lucy Kay said, for fucking 30 seconds, uh, he now can't live without. <laughs> uh, we are spoiled. I guess it's not all bad, it can't all be. It drives our progression. It makes us hungry so that we stay on the edge of our reality, pushing what's possible. And sure, sometimes new is good for you. It's for its own sake. Something fresh, rousing. Sometimes you just need something sexy and unique to come splashing into your life. For that reason, just today, I picked up a brand new pair of sharkskin cowboy boots. This is true. These things are sexy as shit. My first ever pair, you know, I'm not proud of the fact that a shark had to get it for me to get these cool boots. I would rather that not be the case. It's not ideal. That said, I do plan on babying these fucking things daily for the remainder of my earthly existence, this particular incarnation. If I pass them along, the great fish that gave its life will effectively be immortal. At least this grand thought justifies the expense that was not so insignificant. Another primate skill, I might add, justifying anything you want. That's a good kind of hunger, for sure. I mean, sometimes we need just to satisfy ourselves a little bit. I mean, come on. We go around one time. Let's fucking live. There's nothing wrong with treating yourself as your means will allow. But you got to balance it out. Here's the twist, I propose. You can experience something new and inspiring by also going backwards just the same. Revisiting something, relearning it through a lens of fresh experience. Consider the case of, and I'm going to mispronounce this word, the Digin stick, D-J-E-N stick. A very different kind of musical instrument that is really, I stumbled upon it by a random Google search. and came across a blog where it was being described. It's a musical tool that resembles an electric guitar at first glance, but really, when you take a close look, you see it's nothing more than just a stick, a fretless stick with a single wire strung across it, electrified with an amp, uh, a, a string... Instrument rudiment, really, only. I looked at this thing and smiled and laughed, and I stopped abruptly when this talented musician picks this thing up and starts covering a metal song with that one single electrified string, playing a beat on it. He just applied his own style, his own art to this thing. It's like it it didn't need much of a radio to push his signal through, you know, He he just made the sound happen with a very simple, simple, most simple possible instrument. You can call it a trick, sure, a hack, a clever rhythmic um, display that does lack musical scales. It's not as complex as other metal music, but I think that's sort of the point. You you can call it a trick, but then you might find yourself sort of doubting whether all that complexity in a heavy metal song is necessary if some kind of simple arrangement can be presented in its place that does the same sort of thing, that plays the same rhythm, that sort of satisfies in the same way. It's an interesting thing. got me thinking. Here's one of the more refreshing truths in life. Uh, A computer, a camera, a barbell, your wardrobe, whatever. All that stuff really doesn't matter that much. If you keep your mind open, you put your sexy shoes on, and go out searching for the edge of your reality, aggressively, daily, making the most of what you have, then you're going to have a good fucking time here on Earth, I suggest. I propose. You'll be the writer, photographer, athlete, or sexy bitch that you really wanna be because it's inevitable. You're just putting yourself in that position. You're creating that reality. It's just sort of the probabilities. You keep knocking, you get in. That's what happens when you look for long enough. If I know anything in this world, I know those are, those. are that list is very short, and very few, but if I know anything, it's that the secret to your art, your performance, your happiness, your success, what I'm learning for myself for the first time, what I'm trying to share as, as loudly as I can is that you can't find that in a tool a program, a diet, a approach, a book, or whatever. It, of course, starts with you, uh, with what you have right now. You you work and earn what you want to become. It's no accident. That's the whole secret that is that it's not a secret. You know That's the whole point. That's your dream. It will never come true unless you're willing to start today, right now, with no expectations. Other than you're going to do the same because it's worth it. You're going to stay up late like I'm doing right now, 2 o'clock a.m. on a fucking Tuesday morning, because you want to do it. It's worth it. It's worth reaching out. And communicating more than worth it your dream doesn't come true unless you're willing to start today right now do it you say you love it but love doesn't work so well with expectations you know that's why you gotta drop them you don't put it out there just to feel something in return at least that's what I gather from listening to way too much 90s R&B music in my day <laughs> the lessons I learned you should keep putting yourself and your energy out there because it's the only thing that makes sense out of this world it helps you understand things. You should keep putting it out there, even if it means more sacrifice, even if it means late nights, even if it means quite a bit of pain and discomfort when you express yourself. Yeah, It's no big deal. You feel no pain, do you? No, because that's the kind of resilience you experience when you really do love someone. You're really committed to it. That's what love gives you. If you just remember that, then you might start warming up to the idea that the tools you want and, and plenty of success just sort of come on their own in time. You don't take them. You just multiply the odds of it all coming your way the longer you stay at it and do it for the right reason. I say start with what matters most. This thing you're pursuing, it should be fun. It should be inspiring, soothing, motivating, challenging, and at times wounding, yeah, but quite inseparable from what you are at the core. It's nothing that you need to hear from Tony fucking Robbins in order to believe, right? Or me, for that matter. You don't need to hear it from me. You need not pay an exorbitant price to hear this thing in a college lecture hall. I would really hate for you have to go figure it out yourself some years far down the road. So do it better. Learn it now. Think about what you want, what you really crave, what you really love. Then get after it with the tools at hand. There is no time for delay, friends. And there is no need to worry about the outcome. With that, my friends, I'll see you in Miami if you're going to join me. Please do, if you're in the area. I would love to see you. If not, I'll see you back on the airwaves, man, for Barbell Shrugged and for this podcast. Uh, until we meet again, friends. Peace, love, namaste, cheers. Sayonara. Hi.